0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Seat at the Table. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, Lead Editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace, featuring thoughtful conversations and insight from experts, changemakers, and leaders from the business world. For today's episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Adam Probosky an opinion researcher and president of Probosky Research. With DEI and workplace satisfaction being critical topics for HR leaders and organizations today, Adam is also here to discuss recent data on how important diverse hiring is to employees. Adam, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Thank you, Bianca. Please tell me, what's your definition of having a seat at the table?
1: Well, you must be important if you're at the table. And I would say there's there's a whole host of reasons why someone might be important. If you're a consumer brand, you want mom at the table because she makes buying decisions at, at, uh, at, at that house and in, and, and, and every house, right? Uh, if you're, if you're a bank, you want that immigrant who just got to this country uh, at the table because uh, he, he's starting a small business and in 10 years, he's going to have 16 small businesses and you want that relationship, banking relationship with him for the rest of his you know, business career. And I think if you're if you're black or brown and you work for City Hall in a small city that really hasn't gotten into their um, uh, kind of gotten into being diverse uh, in their in their workforce, that person is super important because. That person is going to be kind of ground zero for the jumping off point for making that, that organization, that city, uh, employee base to be much more diverse. And, and that person is going to really have to be uh, listened to a lot. So you got to be important to be at the table.
0: From what I'm hearing as well, of course, uh, you have to be heard as well. All those connections, that networking, those relationships, if you will. Uh, they don't work without communication.
1: No. I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm a researcher, a pollster. So uh, we kind of see what we do is this connection between, you know, that world and, and this world, right? The connection between whatever population you're trying to understand better and the population that's trying to understand them. And and so, you know, to me, that is communication. It's, it's kind of getting that broad, broad understanding of what your employees think, what the public thinks, what any particular universe thinks. So you can kind of either accommodate that or help change that mindset, whatever that is.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong or not, Adam, but this ties into that employee, employee engagement, excuse me, that you were speaking about earlier.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, we, we do you know work in all different universes. One of the works that we do uh, at one of our, our organizations is employee engagement research. And our job is to take that understanding of what the, the, the employee base uh, is thinking, what their concerns are, uh, what their hopes are for the future, and communicate that to management. And then <laughs> our goal is to make sure that management actually listens to it, sees it, understands it, and takes action on it. Uh, that's our biggest fear as researchers, and probably as you know, a lot of people in this world, is that you somehow get to know what people think and their concerns and how they feel, but nothing ever happens with it. It just kind of sits on a shelf or in your inbox. And so action really is a, is a big part of, of making sure we've got diverse workforces and workforces that are listened to.
0: But how can HR leaders use that quantitative data to engage employees with an emphasis on DEI? So the, the
1: goal is first to understand that,
0: that employee base, figure out
1: what they're thinking and what their mindset is. And I think we've got to be very, um, we've got to recognize that in, in a lot of places in this country, uh, you know, DEI is not a part of the conversation. You know, as as in a lot of of worlds, uh, I I don't know what DEI means. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not a priority for me. So we've got to kind of um, maybe not ease into it because we got to go, you know, we got to start picking up the pace, but we've got to start educating and explaining what that might look like in the future and what the rationale is for it. I work in a in a world where we work for a lot of government agencies, especially kind of obscure government agencies like water districts and and other special aid district agencies where they're not on the cutting edge of diverse hiring practices. But they're starting to understand that having a diverse workforce in in every sense of the word, you know, geographically and demographically, really advantages them. And, and that's really what we've got to start to communicate to that management and even the elected leaders in those cases to make sure they understand the value of having a diverse workforce uh, and communicate that to your, your your actual employee base, your workforce, to make sure they understand why it is we're making such a push towards having a diverse workforce. What, what's the value to us organizationally? And it means longevity. It means uh, a more profitable environment or it means uh, a more responsive environment.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, diverse hiring is important to employees and you have data to share on that, correct?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, And this is this is to employees, but this is also broader to the public. The public actually understands the rationale for diverse hiring. So one of the more recent research products we did was to ask people in in multiple different environments where they thought it was important to have diverse hiring practices. And we asked first, we said at your bank or your lender. Like, do you think it's important? And 57% said, yeah, it's important. You also had a decent sized group of people that were kind of, we call them neutral that, you know, said it doesn't matter to me. Um, it's not important to me, but th- they understand maybe that it's not a bad thing, right? Or, and not, they don't dislike it. So you add that 19%, so your big, big majority says my lender or my bank should be diverse uh, within their hiring practices and then we look at schools 62%, right? Then we looked at at the police department 70% said it's important to them. Uh, and we kind of go through other other organizational types to make sure that we understand the public absolutely gets not you know 90% don't get it but but big majorities do get that it's critical to start to this moving towards if we're not already there having diverse hiring practices and all these walks of our lives.
0: Absolutely absolutely. So you have this amazing data, right? You've done, you have, uh, you've done the research, uh, you, you're seeing what different organizations are asking for, and of course, we're seeing that with uh, HR leaders and uh, employees as well, right? So how can HR leaders uh, maximize this internal opinion research to implement diversity, inclusion, or other company policies?
1: Well, I think there's a big group of, of us who are you know, bought in, so to speak, that this is the future. This is what, what our country looks like. And this is what strong organizations look like. But there's a big population, as I was saying earlier, that really this is not a part of their equation. It's not a part of their conversation. It's not a part of anything they've thought about. And so I think the first place that has to, this has to be worked on is internally. And that's from, a, you know, in, like, in our case, we do a lot of work for government agencies and for, for big corporate entities and nonprofits. But you got to start with, let's say, the elected leaders and say, OK, here's, here's where we are today. And here's what or other organizations are doing to actively pursue a diverse workforce and the value that it creates for that organization. In, in the case of, of corporate and nonprofit, here's the, the money we can take in, here's the, the, the stronger we can be organizationally. In the case of government, uh, here's how we can be more responsive to our public and, and also be stronger. So you've got to kind of explain that to board members, elected leaders, to, to management. Uh, and and that really is, quite frankly, the role of of two people in any organization. You know, HR, you know, management, and and you know, a an equity officer or something like that, whatever you call it in your organization, because they need to to be able to kind of communicate that to the people that are going to make the big, full, final, ultimate decisions. And and I think it's a big lift in some places. I think we got to recognize that it's a big lift because you've got you've got ingrained you've got a political you know, construct that says it to a lot of people that says, oh, we want to be, uh, we, we don't want to make big uh, preferences, right? And, and that's kind of the place where a lot of people come from. They think it's some sort of a preference-based scenario. And, and we got to dispel that myth. This is not about preferences. This is about having a, a strong workforce that includes everyone. It, it's that big, warm hug. It's, it's kind of what we do as researchers. We, we give this big, warm hug to hug whatever universe we're trying to understand, and make sure that we get everybody in there. It doesn't matter if you're homeless. It doesn't matter if you're you know make a million dollars a year or, or twenty thousand dollars a year, and, and it doesn't matter what you look like or what kind of house you live in. We got to give this big warm hug to everyone when we do a poll of let's say the overall the overall population, and and we got to make sure that the, the the folks making decisions understand that's how the
0: world has to work with hiring. Absolutely, I love that. It's it's not about preference. It's a big warm hug, and I think if everyone thought about. it, thought about uh, diversity and inclusion, equity as well, belonging uh, the same way, I think it might be easier. Like you said, for many people, it's, it may not be top of mind or they haven't thought about it or given much thought or simply don't know where to start or, or how to navigate it. So in my mind, if I'm thinking of a big warm hug, that's comforting. It's it's uh, honestly a bit vulnerable, right? And, and opening up in a space to to move forward and, you know, tap into great things.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you used the word that that we look at all the time, and that's vulnerability. You, you have to be, uh, and the big "warm, warm hug," kind of gets you there. You have to be, you know, a, a little bit vulnerable, uh, and you've got to challenge. In, in the case of, um, in the case of a lot of places in this country and a lot of organizations, you, you've got to challenge that that status quo, and you've got to let people feel like they can be a little bit vulnerable. And, and you got to allow them to have that space of, of, of challenging the idea. Uh, it's okay to challenge the idea of, of DEI. right? It's, it's okay to challenge the idea of, of pushback and say, wait a second, we've done really well all along with the workforce we've got. W- w- and, and we're doing okay. Why, why do I have to change this up? Why do I have to change my mindset? And, and great, come at me, bro, right? Me, tell me what, what it is your, your challenges, your concerns are about that. And I'm going to come back to you with all the rationales, all the logical uh, uh, business rationales for why a diverse workforce is going to make us stronger and more profitable or more responsive.
0: For my next question, I don't know if you can pull data or, or have any data top of mind to answer or, or just you are both in, in experience. I'm sure you can. But tying it into inclusion and belonging. How can HR leaders rework their company culture to make it more inclusive and foster belonging? So the, the first place
1: starts and, and this is not you know my brilliance. You, you hear it all the time. It's, it's, it's listening. So, so you've got to first understand and and look I'm a, I'm a pollster i'm a researcher so my first go-to is is the poll the survey uh maybe the the focus group um but there's things beyond that of course i mean y- you've got to have an open door uh you've got to you've got to be you know, welcome have a welcoming environment where people can just you know vent their concerns and, and make sure they've got a place but from a, from a research standpoint, it's really cool because having a, a, a research tool. And we like being independent researchers that come in and do that sort of thing. But if if organizations don't have the resources, they can just you know do a do a Google form and start asking questions. Um, <laughs> the hope is that people feel comfortable sharing. And and you understand that baseline of where you are today. Does is this a place that I feel comfortable? Is this a place that I feel like I belong? Uh, is this a place that I feel is welcoming? And the goal is to over time have this upward trajectory of, of incremental improvement. And and again, I I, I don't want to be uh, I, I want to be realistic about how this happens. This doesn't happen overnight. It should happen overnight, right? We we should make fast change, but. But we're we're going to be realistic about it, and so if we can make improvements year over year, two percent, five percent, ten percent, fourteen percent, we're doing a good job. If we make you know monumental changes where you know one hundred percent of people say I belong here, it's welcoming, you know I, I get a shot at at, uh, at being at the table, um, then 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 that's even better. But I think we got to be realistic with with the 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 reality of of of, of the culture we live in. Uh, it, it's it, this stuff is ingrained to to not necessarily be an inclusive environment. It's, it's it's ingrained in organizations to have you know stops and 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 checks to make sure they don't make big changes. You know, it's kind of like the the, the U.S. Senate. You know, there's these all these reasons why we really stunt any kind of progress uh, on, on a minute by minute basis because because that's the way the founders thought that we should do things, and maybe that's brilliance, maybe that's you know really bad idea. But that's what a lot of organizations have in place, that these, these places and these, these organizational structures, so we don't make fast change. And I think we got to navigate that a little bit and having the research of understanding what your, 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 your folks, uh, your, your, the people that work for you, uh, how they feel, could hopefully make that, that upward pressure happen pretty quick.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. We're going to pivot a little bit here. Uh, still in the same vein of culture, uh, just like you just mentioned. Uh, what do you? Where do you see corporate culture headed? Where do you see it? Or where, or where would you like to see it, I should say? Where would you like to see it go? I think, number one,
1: transparency, quite frankly. Uh, I think that's, a, and to some people, that's kind of a catchphrase, but it's what we really assign oftentimes now to, to government, right? We want a transparent government that, that we can see and access and understand. Well, the truth is uh, we're demanding, consumers are demanding transparency from corporate entities, too, and nonprofits. Right? We, we are demanding an understanding how do you really operate? Who is your board? What does your management look like, and and so I think the the, the culture looks like transparency, and when you shine that light, uh, you know California had a law that was just struck down that required, uh, 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 I think half of board members of public companies to be women and uh b- because we have you know a big lack of of diversity on on corporate boards and one of the biggest you know uh, uh diversity problems is, is is a lack of women and uh what's and, and then the law was just struck down uh, and who knows what the eventual you know, reality of that is but um but regardless of legislating it or not the public is, is if you shine a light on corporate boards and you show there aren't any women on these places right it, it's all a bunch of men from a consumer standpoint and from an investor standpoint it's insanity right i just i just my first opening thing i said to you was that the important person at the table is 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 mom because she makes the consumer buying decisions so if i'm an investor i'm going to be you know and i understand the transparency of what this organization looks like i'm going to be wondering what the heck is going wrong who is running this place that doesn't have women you know looking over the the shoulder of everybody to make sure things are going right. So I think transparency is what corporate culture looks like in the future.
0: I love that transparency transparency and vulnerability yes that will be great yeah. with boundaries of course <laughs> yeah.
1: you're, you're talking to a, a dad of a special needs kid there's a lot of vulnerability going on here uh, I, I understand uh, how that works so, so uh, you gotta you, you bring in your vulnerability and all of a sudden you've got you've got compassion you've got kindness you've got caring uh, you, you've got acceptance
0: uh, all of
1: a sudden a whole lot of things start flowing when you get vulnerable
0: Absolutely. Which all leads to that big, warm hug. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've got one more question for you, Adam. Uh, But before I get to that question, is there anything else that you'd like to add or talk about something that we haven't talked about or something you'd like to enumerate on further?
1: I think we just got to we got to give people space to get from here to there. And uh, and it's. it's going to be a challenge. We've we got to recognize it's a challenge for, for some people, some people that look like me. It's a bigger challenge. And uh, and we, we've got to uh, make incremental improvements. And, and that that sounds really bad to some people who think it's been too long to for the current construct. And and, and I'm with you. It's been too long for the current construct but, but it's not going to change overnight. Uh, and, and so necessarily, so, so let's all move towards the goal. And, and if we all move towards the goal, it'll happen a little bit faster, but you know, that space is important because, because, uh, it, it, it doesn't move like that.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. Great way of thinking too. And it sounds like a shifting of the mindsets needs to happen. You know, you got to change that perspective, that lens and, and go a different route, if you will. For sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My final question for you, Adam, what's on your heart? Kindness. I love kindness. I mean, we all, we all define it ourselves,
1: but uh, it, it, uh, it, it makes me tear up when, when I think about kindness and, 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 and how, how other people are kind. Uh, and 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 what that means to them, because if if if, if that's the framework, the, the filter you're looking at the world through. Uh, it's much harder to be uh, mean or angry or pissed off or, 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 or pushy, uh, you know, and we've seen a lot of examples of that in the last couple of years, uh, you know, look at any social media, look at any news and, and there's pushy and mean and angry and, and all that happening. And if you, if you put this layer of kindness over everything you do, that, that really goes away in a lot of ways.
0: I love that. I love that, Adam. Uh, It's certainly been a pleasure chatting with you Uh, again. I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you so much, Bianca.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. To our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in today. And remember, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Again, I'm Bianca Heron. Join us next time at the table. and And as always, we'll have your seat waiting for you.